Last week, I was sharing in the message a little bit about how intimately Jesus knows each and every one of us, okay? And I was talking about, to, to illustrate that point, so the Bible says Jesus knows you so intimately, he knows you so well that he knows when one hair falls out of your head, one single hair. He knows you so intimately that he knows how many hairs are on your head. Now, I'm going to give you a little picture into the mind of Levi as I'm preaching. When I'm preaching, I've kind of got two trains of thought going. It's what I'm saying, and then what goes through my head, okay? Always real mature thoughts, always, right? So I say that. It's kind of a serious point in my, in my sermon, but this thought runs through my head. Jesus knows how many hairs are on your head. He's numbered them, and after I, I heard that, I said, well, well, I thought, well, for Pastor West, that's not really that big of a deal. Because <laughs> he's bald, right? Because he's bald. Real mature. Real mature, Levi. And after I thought that, I thought about saying it, but I was like, I'm not going to say it, and here's why. Because I thought about the story way back in the Old Testament about some kids, some youths, some youths who make fun of one of God's prophets, Elijah. You know what they say to him? They say, get out of here, baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. They're mocking him for not having any hair. And Elijah prays a curse on them. And you know what happens? Does anybody know this story? Anybody? He prays a curse on them, and two she-bears come out of the woods and eat 42 of them. Seriously, that is in the Bible. So I'm thinking, this Wes is bald, right? Uh, <laughs> don't pray, let's say, Exactly. I'm thinking, I can't say that. He's an elder. He's older than me. I'm supposed to respect my elders. I'll just keep my thoughts to myself. And I don't want to get mauled by those she-bears. So I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say any of that. And some of you are like, why in the world are you, are you telling me this story? It has no point. Well, you're right, except beyond the fact that we're, we're talking about a series here coming up, starting today, about real maturity. Real maturity, Okay. And I'm not always the most mature person. My wife will tell you that. My sense of humor is right at my toddler's level, right? They, they think that... <laughs> I can't even say... They think that, that tooting... I can't even say the other word because I feel like it's inappropriate to say from up here. But passing gas and talking about bowel movements is hilarious. And I think that's hilarious too. So... <laughs> That's where my sense of humor is at, okay? So we're not always the most mature, but we want to aim towards maturity, okay? So we're spending three weeks going through our church's mission statement. And some of you are like, I didn't even know we had a mission statement. Exactly. That's why we're going to spend three weeks going through our mission statement. So you say, what is our mission statement as Crossroads? What is that? Well, here it is. Crossroads Church exists. We exist to help people grow personally, to help them connect relationally and engage in the mission of Jesus so that, so that the people of Henry County and the whole world will love Jesus most. Okay? Kind of, kind of a mouthful, but we exist to grow personally, connect relationally, engage in the mission of Jesus so that everyone in the world will come to love Jesus most. And so this morning, we're going to focus in on the first pillar of our mission statement, grow personally or grow spiritually. We believe that the Bible teaches that to be a Christian, you need to be growing. You need to be growing, always growing, always growing, growing up in Jesus. You need to be maturing. Now, we're going to focus on Hebrews 5 and 6 this morning to kind of make this point. And I kind of, 
We're going to read it in a second, but, but, but before I do, I want you to, to know this. At first glance, it's going to sting a little bit, okay? It's going to sting a little bit. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you, okay? How many of you, you grew up and your dad's like got the board of education out ready to wallop your backside? It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you, son. You're like, yeah, right, whatever, whatever. It is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sting a little bit this morning. It's going to sound like a spanking, but it's not. It's not. I chose this section of scripture to talk about growing and maturing because it's one of my favorites and because I think it is so full of grace. It doesn't sound like it at first, but it is. So I want to read it. The big idea is act your age, which again, can sound like, like a spanking, but it's not. It's really, really full of grace. So we're going to spend the rest of our time reading this and hopefully praying and being encouraged by the message to act your age. So let's look at Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11. Starting in verse 11, it says this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of the Bible all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God or instructions about cleansing rites, think, think baptism, the laying on of hands, think prayer, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though I speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown to him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Okay, so the big idea of today's message is this. Act your age and never stop growing in Jesus. Act your age and never stop growing in Jesus. Now, I don't think I really need to tell you that it's vital to grow up, right? It's kind of obvious to grow up in life, not just in Jesus. It's vital for everybody to grow up. Imagine a world where everyone who lived only acted like a three-month-old all of the time, right? Just a bunch of babies all over the place. There would be no world. There would be no world. Babies can't do anything for themselves. They can't do anything for themselves. If they stayed babies, human beings would cease to exist. So growing up and maturing and taking responsibility, it's vital for life to continue and flourish. 
We see this in life. We look at babies and the development of human beings, and it's no less true of our spiritual development. You see, God ordered this world so that babies are born, and then they're supposed to grow up. They become one-year-olds, and then three-year-olds, and 13-year-olds, and 25-year-olds, and 40-year-olds, and 80-year-olds, okay? And at every stage, each stage along the way comes with new responsibilities, new things that we have to do, responsibilities that we have to assume. And anytime someone stops in that growth process, bad things happen, right? Right? A 40-year-old that got stuck growing at the 13-year-old mark, he's not only annoying, he or she is also of little help to anyone else, right? So God says through Hebrews, which we just read, that he wants us to grow up in our faith, to become mature believers in Jesus, not just so we can be happier, You will be happier if you grow up in Jesus. That's true. The more mature you get in Jesus, the happier you'll be, okay? The more joy you'll have. That's true. But that's not the only reason God wants us to grow up. That's not the only reason God wants us to grow up. He wants us to grow up so that we can be helpful, so that we can be helpful, so that we can help other younger believers. You see, real mature Christ followers are strong and resourceful and are able to offer help to others instead of constantly being in need of help themselves. So personal growth or spiritual growth is vital to our mission. It's vital because we want to be a church of healthy, mature believers who are able to give help instead of constantly being in need of help themselves. If we want to help people love Jesus most, we have to grow up. We've got to grow up. Now, as I've said, this is kind of obvious, pretty obvious, right? A 40-year-old who acts like a 13-year-old, not a good thing. And none of us really want to be that guy, I don't think. I don't think, I don't think any of us want to be that guy. But we get stuck sometimes in our growth journey. We get stuck. Something happens to us and our, our development in, in maturity, it, it gets stuck or stagnant, okay? So I want to spend the rest of our time asking, what keeps us from growing? What keeps us from growing? If you remember when you were five, you probably couldn't wait to grow up to do big kid things, right? No one had to tell you, it's time to grow up. When you're five, you can't wait. You look at the big kids and you you look up to them. You want to be like them. You want to be like them. You want to be big. You want to be a grown-up. So what slows you down then? What gets you stuck? All children start out with zeal to grow up, but sometimes stuff gets in the way. What is that stuff that keeps us from growing up? Well, as I thought about it this week, I think there are five things. I think there are five things that stunt our growth physically in this life and also spiritually. They're this, fear, ignorance, fade or atrophy, it's kind of a bigger word, doubt, and pain or trauma, okay? So the first one, fear, fear. Many of us are afraid to grow up. We're afraid to grow up. We either fear the responsibilities that come with being a grown-up or we fear failure. So we just say, nope. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid, right? They got millions of toys that that I can play with. I'm not going to grow up. That's not fun. That's not fun. That's too hard. I'm not going to grow up. What if I fail? What, What will other people think? I don't have what it takes. That's too much responsibility. Or or this one. This one's my favorite. What if I miss God's will, right? That's 
that really, that statement? Well, what if I, what if I walk outside of God's will? What if I do, don't do something that he, that he wants me to do, okay? And that fear paralyzes you. That's really just a, a way to spiritualize a fear of failure. What if I screw up, right? You're just putting a, kind of a churchy little bow on it. It's still, it's a fear of failure. What if I miss God's will? So out of fear of responsibility and the feelings of, of being overwhelmed that come with that, we don't grow up. Or out of a fear of failure, we just refuse to act our age and grow up in Jesus. Now, it's not explicitly stated in Hebrews 5, but it's sort of between the lines, okay? Sort of between the lines as we read through that passage. And I think there's a ton of grace here. See, God, he doesn't say, hey, Christian, you need to act like a 50-year-old in the faith. That's not what our text says this morning. No, what it says is that you need to act your age. Act your age. You see, God doesn't say, if you're six months old in the faith, I expect you to be acting like a 70-year-old like a in the faith. He doesn't. He doesn't say that. God knows this is a process. If you remember, he's the one who authored how life works. He's the one that, that created babies having to be born, and then they can't feed themselves, and they need parents to care for them, and they grow up and become toddlers. And he developed all of that. He knows that when you're reborn... When you're born again, when you come into the faith, you're like a little baby toddler, right? You need milk, not solid food. You can't handle that yet. God's okay with that. He understands that. He's not surprised by that, right? He's so gracious with us. So you don't need to be fearful of failure because God knows as a two-year-old, you're gonna make the mistakes that a two-year-old makes. Jesus paid for that. He paid for that. So you don't need to fear you think of it like this, no one would beat their one-year-old for not being able to use the toilet, right? Nobody would do that unless they're crazy or something's wrong with them. We don't do that. And if you who are sinful know how to treat a child, how much more gracious do you think your heavenly father will be with us through our growth journey in the faith? See, fear can grunt our growth, stunt our growth, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. We fight fear by resting in God's grace. We can't earn God's favor. You cannot do it. You can't earn God's favor by good behavior, and you can't lose God's favor by bad behavior if you're in Jesus. If you're in Jesus, you are favored, period. Period. That's grace. And there's so much freedom in this. So much freedom in this. It means you don't have to fear failure or responsibility because Jesus is right there with you. He's gonna help you act your age. And he's not surprised if as a two-year-old or a four-year-old, you act like a two-year-old or four-year-old in the faith. Make a mistake, slip up, Jesus paid for that. He gives grace for those failures, for those mistakes, and he promises to be right there with you all along the journey supplying what you lack, covering over your failures, covering up your slip-ups, and slowly honing your character, helping you grow up and mature, training you in righteousness. So don't fear growing up. Act your age and experience the life-transformative power of walking in Christ's grace. You don't have to fear growing up. There's grace. There's grace. Another thing that stunts our growth spiritually is ignorance. When I was 15, I didn't know what I didn't know. And to be honest with you, 
I still feel like that most days. I have no idea what I'm doing in most situations, especially when it comes to like church stuff and dealing with just all the kinds of crises that come up. I constantly pray, Lord, I have no idea what to do here. I am, I have, if you don't show up, I'm gonna look like a huge doofus because I, I have no idea how to handle this situation, okay? I don't know. I don't know what to do. So how are we supposed to act like a grown-up when we don't know what it means to look like a grown-up? Ignorance stunts our growth a lot of ways. I'm sure that there are a lot of men here this morning who struggle to act like grown men, not because they're bad people, but because they never had a father or a man in their life show them what it means to be a man. This is really unfortunate. And church, this is not God's will at all. He hates that there are children growing up without fathers, without mothers. The broken family, God hates that. That is not his design. That is not how he structured things, okay? He doesn't want that. But sadly, this happens. Now, is the child who grows up without a dad off the hook? Is it okay for a boy to grow up and still act childish to be less than a man? No, it's not. It's understandable. Sure it is. I can sympathize with, with that boy who didn't have a father fi- figure. I can sympathize with, with him and, and understand that that's really hard, that no one ever showed you how to do that, but is it acceptable for him to continue to act like a child and, and do childish things? No, it's not. That man is still responsible for his actions. Their father was supposed to teach him. Yes, absolutely, and he didn't. But that doesn't mean the boy is off the hook. You see, ignorance, whether it's chosen or forced upon you, is not an excuse for stunted growth. It's not. If we want to grow up in Jesus, we must fight ignorance. Study. Study. We need to learn to feed ourselves, especially if no one else is feeding you. You have to learn to feed yourself. You see, in our passage that we read, just before verse 11, Just before verse 11, the author is trying to make a point about how Jesus is our great high priest. He's a greater high priest than this guy named Melchizedek. And some of you are like, Melchizedek who? Exactly. The the audience, the Hebrews that he's writing to, they didn't know who Melchizedek was either. And so he, he launches into this kind of side point, and he says, listen, you guys should know this stuff by now. You should know this by now. He's not saying, well, you're a one-year-old in the faith, and so I understand that you don't know these things. He's saying, no, you've been in Jesus for 20 years, and you don't know who Melchizedek is? What's going on here? You guys should be teaching this stuff, and you still need spoon-fed? That's not okay. That's not okay. He says it's not okay because they've grown sluggish and lazy in feeding themselves. They don't know God's word like a 20-year-old in the faith should know God's word. They haven't been diligent to feed themselves. Now, I don't want to do this because I don't want to shame anyone, but I'd be curious to know how many people in here knew that story about Elisha and the she-bears that I mentioned earlier, okay? It's a crazy story. And if you even knew about it, I wonder if you knew what that story was actually about. It's not about a guy, a bald guy getting mocked and then these bears coming out you know, and mauling them. It's actually about what happens when people reject God and reject one of God's chosen people, someone who's in Christ, okay? God goes to bat for his name in that situation, 
and he goes to defend Elisha. Now think about how encouraging that particular story is would be for someone who's being mocked and persecuted for their faith. Do you need to know that story to get to heaven? Absolutely not. You do not need to know that story. You need to know about Jesus. Hands down. Absolutely. But if you settle for what you know of Jesus today, you are missing out on the depths and joys that there are to be had in the full knowledge of God. Okay? You're, you're missing out on, on ways that you could be encouraged from God's word and that you could encourage other people from God's word. Imagine someone comes up to you and explains a situation where they're being mocked and, and made fun of because they're a Christian. And you say, let me tell you a story about a, a gentleman that happened to. This guy named Elisha. He was trying to stand up for God and these kids from this town that were far away from God, they hated him. They drove him out of the town. They called him terrible names. They beat him up. And Elijah prayed to God. He cried out to God and God showed up. He sent some bears after those kids, right? That's encouraging. That's super encouraging. It's funny, but it's also encouraging. God is not just your savior. He's your vindicator. He's your vindicator. So loved ones, don't settle for what you know of Jesus. Press on, press into the word. There is so many amazing truths that you need to know, not to get to heaven, but so that you can be encouraged and that you can encourage others. We fight ignorance by putting our big boy pants on and spending some time studying God's word. You say, I can't read well. Then download the Bible app and listen to it. You say, I can't do it by myself. Yeah, that's why you're saved into a community. Get in one of our Bible studies where one of our people who are a little more mature than you in the faith will teach you and instruct you and help you understand some of the harder things about Scripture. It's time to get diligent about studying God's Word. And again, the Bible isn't some magic pill that we take that if you read the Bible six times a day, then you're a Christian. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about going deeper into the gospel and understanding Jesus more okay? We never move beyond Jesus. We, we continue in Jesus, okay? So we fight stunted growth, which comes from ignorance, by learning to feed ourselves from God's word, from God's word. What else prevents us from growing in Jesus? Fade, faith fade or atrophy. This is kind of the use it or lose it principle. See, when you learn a language, if you don't use it, you lose it you don't use it, you lose it. It's not like it's gone forever, but it gets really, really rusty, okay? It's like your muscles. If you don't use certain muscles, they get really weak, as the picture kind of illustrates here. The author of Hebrews says that this group of people, he says, these guys should be teachers by now, but they're still requiring instruction. And I think there's a secret to how we fight faith fate, how we keep our faith strong and, and exercise it. We teach, we teach. Now, I know that's kind of intimidating for some of you, but I'm talking about proclaiming the gospel message, testifying, preaching your faith. You say, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. If you're in Jesus, you are called to proclaim the word of God, not just share your faith. Not just share your faith. Sharing your faith assumes that someone desires to receive it. Church, we live in a culture where most people don't desire to hear what we have to say but they need to hear it more than ever. 
more than ever. There are so many lost people and hurting people and people who are in pain who need to hear the power of the risen Christ. They may not want to hear it, but they need to hear it. It's good news. We have to proclaim it. We have to testify about how Christ has made a difference in our lives. It doesn't mean you need to quote scripture at people. It simply means that when someone complains to you at work about a spouse or an illness that you have or is crying out in frustration, you can say, wow, that's really hard. I've actually been in your shoes once. Do you know what made a difference? Jesus. Let me tell you how he made a difference. Let me tell you how my church family helped me through this. You're proclaiming the gospel. You're teaching in that moment. When someone stops you at the store and tells them about their husband that's a real pain in the keister or some other issue, say, wow, that's really hard. Can I pray for you? And then when they say yes, no one refuses prayer ever. Say, okay, let's do that and pray on the spot right then and invite Jesus and his power into that moment. Lord, bring your peace on this situation. Bring your comfort into this situation. Pray his power into that problem that they might experience his comfort, his peace, his power right then and there. You can do that. I realize some of you might need to walk before you can run. That's okay. But work towards it. Work towards those opportunities. Take advantage of those opportunities. Loved one, if you want to have a faith, if you want to have a faith that comes alive, then start living like you have some. Start living like you have some. Put it into practice. I get some of those situations are uncomfortable. They're scary. I get that. I get that. But put your faith into practice. Step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. Pray for opportunities to teach and proclaim the good news with winsomeness and boldness. I'm not talking about clubbing people or being belligerent. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, talking about being kind and gentle. But step out of the boat. Fight faith fade by putting your faith into practice. Fourthly, doubt is an enemy of growth. I think doubt is driven by ignorance and it's driven by faith fade, okay? Sometimes we doubt because we're insecure in our knowledge or it's a little shallow, right? Maybe we've been a little lazy. Maybe we're just young in the faith and we don't know what we don't know yet. It doesn't matter, but we're ignorant. And that ignorant makes us doubt. When we read a Facebook post about how many contradictions are in the Bible and you can't trust us, trust it. We don't know enough about Scripture to know that that's not true, and so we doubt. Or when we read about some famous Christian who just renounced their faith, we think, wow, if they didn't renounce their faith, then maybe there isn't anything, and we doubt. Okay? Or perhaps we know a decent amount about the Bible, but it kind of feels cliche because we haven't or we don't experience the power of God. And that, I would say, this is mostly the result of faith fade when this happens, of atrophy. We haven't sought to put God's truth into practice by faith, and so to us, it just sounds like a bunch of words. Because if we're honest, that's really all it is to us. So because of ignorance, lack of practical faith, doubt creeps in. We begin to doubt God. So how are we supposed to fight doubt? Keep our faith from being stunted. Well, I think the answer is found in a combination of verses from chapter 6 of Hebrews, verses 1 and 2 and verses 11 and 12. To summarize those, they say this, go beyond the elemental teachings of Christ and become mature 
by imitating those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. You say, what does that mean? Well, the author of Hebrews says to go beyond the elementary teachings of Jesus. Well, what are those teachings? He kind of outlines them in verses 1 and 2. He says repentance, faith, baptism, prayer, resurrection, and eternal judgment. It's basically the gospel message. You and I are sinful. We're sinful, we're shameful beings. We're lost and condemned to an eternal judgment. But through faith in Jesus and ongoing repentance, we can be saved. We can be honored. We can be baptized and cleansed, cleansed from past sin and future sin. We can pray and talk to God like we're talking with a friend. And we have the hope of resurrection. For the Christian, death is not the end. The best is yet to come. And the author says, we need to go beyond this message. What does he mean by that? Does he mean that there's some secret knowledge out there that we have to go beyond this message? We have to try and get? We have to get this secret knowledge by puff, puff, passing the peace pipe around, right? Smoking some crazy stuff so we can learn about some weird spiritual stuff. Is that what he's talking about? Does he mean that we have to go to church at least three times a work to, to get beyond this message? Does he, does he mean we have to be a monk? That we have to sell all our stuff and not eat meat and do all this extra stuff so that we really are in? No, that is not what he means. And anybody who tries to tell you the gospel message is Jesus plus anything is lying to you. It's Jesus plus nothing. That's the gospel. So we don't have to go beyond Jesus. The way into Jesus is the way on in Jesus. So what is the author talking about? He means that we need to go deeper into the fundamentals of the faith. We need to go deeper into the fundamentals of the faith. Think of it like this. Think about it in a football metaphor. Does a coach coaching football ever get beyond coaching the fundamentals? Think about the highest level, the NFL. Some of you hate the NFL. You're college people. And you're wrong. The NFL's better, but, right? If you watch a, watch a halftime video or an interview, what is the coach always talking about? We, we just got to get back to the fundamentals, Right? It's been, it, was, it was pretty good, but we missed some fundamentals. It was a pretty good game, but man, we missed a lot of tackles. We've got to wrap up. It's just so fundamental, right? They never get beyond the fundamentals. They go deeper into the fundamentals of the sport. The same thing is true of the gospel. We never move beyond the gospel. Never. But we can go deeper into it. The message doesn't change, but the depth to which you and I can experience the joys and truths of the gospel are enhanced with age. Jesus and the gospel, it's like a fine wine. It gets better as you age into it. It's like a beautiful diamond that as you study it more and more and you turn it in the light, you see different facets and beautiful features of how the gospel applies to your life. So we fight doubt by focusing in on the fundamentals of the faith and going deeper into them by clinging to the promises of God and seeking to better understand how they apply to our current situations. But sometimes, doubt is really tough to shake. Really tough to sit, shake. And it seems like just when you're kind of floundering in the faith, that crisis hits. Crisis hits. A death or an illness. Maybe you get fired there's an affair in your life or some type of rejection. Some crisis hits and now there's pain, possibly even persecution. 
pain and persecution can be huge stunts to our growth process. Or they can refine our character and make us stronger. See, there are people in the Hebrew audience who started out strong in their faith and then some type of pain or persecution came along and they weren't able to endure. It wrecked their faith. Their doubt was turned into complete rejection of God. And not just a rejection of God, active rebellion. They used to think they were Christians. Now they're actively fighting against the Christian church. They hate God. They resent him. They resent his church. What happened here? What happened here? Perhaps a better question is what keeps crisis from becoming traumatic? See, trauma interrupts our development in a huge way. Trauma can wreck one's faith. So what keeps crisis from becoming a traumatic event? What redeems crisis and uses it as a character honing and strengthening experience instead of trauma? One word. Community. Community. If you're alone and crisis hits, you will almost certainly be traumatized. Your maturity will be stunted and your faith might even be shipwrecked. But if you don't have to go through the crisis alone, that crisis will be hard. It will be painful, but it won't stunt your growth. God will use it in the context of community to strengthen and shape your character. See, Hebrews says that we fight trauma by surrounding ourselves with faithful people who are worth imitating, who by faith and patience have shown us that God's promises are true, even when they don't look like it, even when they don't feel like it. They're true. They're to be trusted. It's a lot easier to doubt and to have your growth stunted when you're alone. And this is why God saves you into a family. Faith thrives in community and flounders in isolation. Wes is going to preach more on that next week. The band can come up. We'll wrap up here. Hebrews reminds us to act our age. Never stop growing in Jesus. Don't settle for stunted growth. Study God's word to fight ignorance. Get in a group. Listen to the Bible. Practice your faith. Step out of the boat, even if you're scared. Share your faith. Proclaim it. Practice your faith so it doesn't fade and get cliche. And focus on the fundamentals. Go deeper into them. Surround yourself with mature believers that you can imitate to fight off doubt and protect yourself against trauma. Have faith. Be patient. And you'll inherit the promise. Conclusion, I'm reminded of the lyrics from a song by a great theologian known as Adam Sandler. He says, I want to make you smile whenever you're sad. Carry you around when your arthritis is bad. Oh, all I want to do is grow old with you. Let's grow old together, Crossroads. Let's grow old together. Let's grow up into Jesus. Let's become more like Jesus. And let's praise God when we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ and we see some spiritual wrinkles. Yeah, let's get old together so that those in our community and our world will know what it looks like to love Jesus more than anything else in the world. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you so much. You are so good to us. You're such a good father. Thank you. 
Thank you for walking with us through the faith journey. Thank you for knowing and telling us that you understand that it's a process, that you're kind to us, that you are patient with us, that you are compassionate with us, that you understand what it means to be two-year-olds, to, to be a two-year-old in the faith, and you're okay with that, and you pay for our mistakes and our failures and our lack of faith, and you walk with us in that journey. Thank you for that grace, Lord, and thank you that you're never content to leave us where we are, but that you've given us the power through the risen Son to help us grow up and become mature, not just so we can be happier, but so that we can experience joy in Jesus, so that we can plunge the depths and the treasures of the knowledge of the Lord, so that we can be helpful to those who are a little bit farther behind us in our journey. Lord, we want to grow up. Give us a vision of what it means to be a grown-up in Jesus. Don't spank us, Lord. Come alongside us and carry us when we can't walk by ourselves. We love you, Lord. We want to love you more. For your glory and our joy, we pray. Amen.